the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Sean Azaro, and you are listening to Reaching for Real Life. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro. Baron Wiley here. So grateful that you joined us. And Pastor Sean, once again, you celebrated a birthday last week. Happy birthday, officially. I did. Thank you, Baron. Thank you. I did celebrate the birthday. It was a celebration. Gold, frankincense. What did they bring you? (laughs) None of those things. None. <laughs> none of those things. Silver and gold have I none. <laughs> uh, no, we uh, we went out. Yeah. I got some wonderful gifts. My wife got me a really neat Bible that I wanted. That's a very good pastor gift, you know. Yeah. And um, what Bible my, do you not have? What do you mean you wanted? Which one do you are oh, you missing? Oh, well, you know the Dead Sea Scrolls. <laughs> Come on, man. What do you? I have them now. <laughs> exactly. They're no longer at at the in museum the, in, in the Israel. Now, okay, here's the thing. I use an ESV translation. I also use NIV. I love a New American Standard. But an ESV that I, that is small enough for me to contain, I, I carry with me, have, have in my backpack, ah. I keep with me, use on Sundays and things like that, and big enough for me to read. Oh! oh the, old, the old birthday. <laughs> 61st <laughs> birthday. We commemorated with a thin line, large print, uh, or larger print. It's fantastic. Because the larger print on the phone is just too hard to scroll. It's just like, <laughs> exactly. it's like an eye chart. <laughs> right? Wow, that was hurtful. But yes. <laughs> no, no. Uh, right. Yeah. So, and I love it. Nice soft leather cover and it's just great. I want, I, you know, I, I use a lot of electronics, but right. there's something about having a real Bible, a real book, you yeah. know. Uh, one of our guests, Steve Arterburn, sent me his book and it's an actual book. Yeah. Uh, there's something about, you know, the paper. And so the Bible, same thing. There's a sense of accomplishment when you turn pages and you get to the end of the book for yeah, me, yeah. you know, and I don't get that with the phone. I'm just flipping and then I'm like, I'm done. I don't, is yeah. it over? Yeah. Especially with, with this Bible that I was given this thin line. Cause it's not super thin, but it's nice. It's, right. it's thin enough. And so with the print, the size it is to be able to be thin line, those pages are <laughs> so thin. <laughs> Trying to get them apart is a yeah. real challenge. Yeah. What is that paper made out of? I, Bibles I, are the only thing that's made paper? out of. rice paper? I don't know. It's special. It is special. All right. Well, God's word is special. Yep. So I guess it deserves the best. So uh, I'm fired up about that. Uh, my, my Okay. Here's another thing. This is a tip. This is a pro tip from Pastor Sean. All right. All right. It has nothing to do with topic we'll be talking about. But my daughter and son-in-law, along with my wife, Lori, got me a pair of shoes. Okay. Floor shimes. Why you got to be that way? Wait, what's wrong with that? Those are nice shoes. <laughs> and, and they have been for the last 90 years. <laughs> uh, well, you said. They, they, <laughs> these shoes are called On Clouds. On Clouds. Now, every hipster, young person, cool person, whatever, knows what I'm talking about. Uh-uh. Let me just say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> on Cloud. Very there's, my there's, there's my point. There's my point. On Clouds most comfortable shoes. I, I love New Balance. I have multiple pair of New Balance, wear them all the time. These on clouds are so comfortable. Yeah. I mean, they are truly, 
I, I go all day. Feet don't hurt. Back doesn't hurt. Nothing. I mean, it re- they're really amazing. And I've got all these young people coming. Hey, cool shoes, man. Where'd you get those? Hey, those are awesome. I love your shoes. I never have people comment on my no. shoes. <laughs> it's, it's weird to me. People you, commenting on my shoes. You've been the guy that's uh, famous. Your reputation is that Sean Azar doesn't wear socks because they're looking at your ankles all the time. That's true. And now well, they're no, looking I'm, at the shoes. Well, they're noticing the shoes. So don't get you socks for your birthday ever. No, I'm wearing socks now. I'm, oh, uh, again, that changed. Well, you get older, your feet sweat. <laughs> <laughs> you want to know what's seriously the problem is? Finding good leather shoes that do well without socks. That's hard to do anymore. All right. These are the things. You didn't expect to talk about no. this on the on the podcast. Today. But you did bring up something, though. A good gift for a pastor, that Bible that you don't have. Oh, and well, shoes. Loved it. All right, loved so, it. And but shoes. If, but if I want to bless you, Pastor Sean, Pastor Appreciation Month, your birthday, mm, Christmas mm, time, mm. what's what's maybe one of the nicest things maybe you've received from uh, from someone in the church? Oh, man, all kinds of things. People at the church know there's like candies I like. I love good and plenty oh, of candies. Man. You know I love Cracker Jacks and that type of thing. Gift certificates, people have been very sure. kind. Yeah, nice notes, um, yeah. you know, so, stuff like heart. that. Yeah. That's nice. And a chance, if it's good, taking you and Lori out to dinner, that's a nice thing, too. Love it, love it. I uh, I occasionally with some of the guys will have a good cigar, okay. and that uh, that always is appreciated, and you know that's always fun. Very good. Uh, by the way, how was the uh, the rodeo and the uh, what was that band called? Uh, Flatland Cavalry. All right, and they were good. It was All really right. good. We had a great time. Had a great time with the grandkids. It was fun. And you left early? Not early. <laughs> Well, compared to most people, it's early. Exactly. By me, we partied. Yeah. We were out till after six, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Well, Pastor Sean, speaking of, of, of this, uh, something, a topic maybe we'll talk about uh, later. I haven't seen this uh, this movie here, The Jesus Revolution. Mm-hmm. Yet, have you? I have not, and I, and I want to because I hear great things about it. Yeah. Hear great things about it. What it's doing there, too, is kind of reviving uh, this Jesus music that we all right. kind, of, kind of started there in Southern California and Costa Mesa. That's so That's so true, yeah. And you were part of that, I guess. Were you in California at the time? Uh, you no, in no, no. I, I was in Chicago. We're outside of Chicago, oh, lived right. in Barrington, and uh, but the Jesus people were centered there in yeah. Chicago. Part of the Jesus movement is part of that, and so you know we, as I mentioned before, the Resurrection Band, which is yeah. part of that, actually stayed at our home one night. They That's were crazy. traveling through, and we had some connections, and we had a big house, and they stayed at our place. We had a farm, and they stayed there, and it was just I, I didn't even know what I was getting exposed to. Yeah, you know, I knew it was cool, and I was a kid, and it's like, oh, this is awesome, yeah. but. Uh, but, you know, and then as I grew older, I realized what their influence did, because that's the Jesus movement. Uh, one of the major vehicles that kind of, I think, helped shape people's acceptance and kind of awakening was some of the music. Correct. The pioneers, in my mind, the Larry Norman, Randy Stonehill, Phil Keggy, Love Song. Uh, and All even, those guys. Yeah. Even like Brian Duncan and, and Sweet Comfort Band that came, came after. That's yeah. really good, great music for yep. sure. And it still yep, sticks yep, yep. around, I think. It yep. still holds up today. Yeah. Music's always been a big part of what the church does. Mm-hmm. The, the problem before that was the church music had become, it had been locked into a time period. Right. And, and, you know, we in church circles can do that. We can get stuck in a time period and add moral strength to music of that, that we like. Yeah. Or that was our time period. This is good music. And then someone comes in with an electric guitar, you know, Uh-oh. which back in the, back in the, you know, 70s in churches, someone comes in with an electric guitar and wait a minute, that's the world's music. And it's like, no, it's a guitar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay? The piano and organ was okay, but an electric piano, you know, or a synth, <laughs> that was not okay. Not in the Bible. Yeah. They didn't have electricity. Exactly. So, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that the church has had to fight with, and that's just human nature. You have to kind of break through that stuff. Yeah. But for the longest time, before 1969 or whatever, uh, it was just the hymns, right? Right. 
And, yeah. And obviously the hymns are amazing. They're beautiful songs, rich theology, incredible traditional almost a catechism in ways because music you remember music music mm-hmm. sticks with you and so those hymns were were a form of catechism for many in the church to know the tenets of our faith and to sing those songs of our faith right. and so i'm a fan of the hymns mm-hmm. uh that being said you got to understand if you're going to reach people who haven't been believers before they don't know the hymns those don't mean anything to them right so you over time want to introduce them to some of those but you also want music that can relate and can connect and that they can find a way to express their Mm -hmm. worship to god very good worship again is a part of every church culture of course now now especially today the christian music artists aren't doing the pop songs as they maybe were in the 80s and 90s it's Mm -hmm. kind of gravitated this full genre of worship let's just talk about worship as as a whole Sean, what is it? Why is it important in our faith? Well, worship. Okay, that, this is a great conversation because we're going to spend a little time probably talk about worship in the congregational context of the church. You know, the New Testament says, you know, um, sing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. Mm-hmm. And it's literally this idea of reminding ourselves and, remi- and, and worshiping the Lord through song. Um, worship. My, my favorite verse on worship is Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, for this is your spiritual service of worship. Mm-hmm. Okay? Presenting yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. This is your spiritual service of worship. So worship is the thing that says, God, I present my life to you. Mm. I present my vision, my direction, my heart, I am yours, you know, and that's what worship is. The songs we're singing, what we do in co- congregationally is probably better described as the expression of worship. Mm. You know, I'm expressing my worship. Uh, I, I like to let people know when we're worshiping in a congregational setting, there is a sacrifice of worship and it's not the songs. Yes. It's me. Yes. <laughs> I'm offering myself to the Lord. That's what's happening in that time when we're singing songs, we're offering prayers, we're communicating and communing with the Lord. I am offering myself with the congregation. We're doing this as a body yes. together, saying, God, we are yours. You are exalted. You are on high, and we w- love you. We worship you, but we are the sacrifice of praise. I love it because I'm thinking a lot of people think, think, ah, this worship leader is not that good. Or, it's not up to him. <laughs> It's up to me, right? I got to show up. The, I love the worship God. wasn't good today. <laughs> exactly. The worship that's wasn't good. People, yeah, right. Was it the Lord wasn't good? No, the Lord was good. Okay, if no, we establish it's, that. It's my yeah. heart that's wrong yeah. walking in the door. Yeah, and, and that's one thing. So I'm sorry, can I just, yeah. just trigger this? There's yeah. another verse. I will enter his gates. So before I even get to the place, you, you have to have that worship vibe going on yeah. already. I, I think if you understand that, if you understand what's happening, uh-huh. Okay, and this shows, Baron, one of the. This is an area where entire congregations have split. Ooh, churches have split over worship music style. Why? Because we are selfish morons. <laughs> Can I say that on the yeah, radio? Did, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm serious. We're being selfish. We've become consumers. Mm. Mm. Oh, I like it when this one leads. Oh, I don't like when she leads. I don't like her hair. Do you like her? Oh, this is my jam. I'm sorry. Okay, and you know, if you've said those phrases, please forgive me, but. You may be a worship consumer, okay, and that's not what we're called to be. Your worship is not about my preference, it, and that's what happens. Churches split over worship music because, oh, I like this style. Oh, no, I prefer this style. No, I like this leader. Mm-hmm. No, I like this leader. No, I like this song. I like no, no, I, I like these songs. Your preference isn't really the main issue. Hmm. 
And, and I think churches that love Jesus and want to follow Jesus, they will make decisions about, hey, what's our wheelhouse? What, what's going to be our general kind of approach? Who are we trying to reach and how are we trying to help them express their praise to God? So they will have particular styles. Yeah. And, you know, it could be that there's a church you're in and, you know, they feel called to reach a particular type of person. You go, I, I don't, that's not my mission. That's not my thing. I don't know that this is my community. Great. Go find a church that it fits you. Yeah. I think that's a very biblical thing. Let the Lord lead you. The big question is not, do I like this church? The big question is, Lord, is this the church family you have for me? Right. But <clears throat> that's okay. But when you're called to a church and you're in that church, understand that the point of worship, it's exalting and pleasing God. Mm. This idea of church is splitting over worship music. It just, it, it's just a reflection that we don't get it. Yeah. We just don't get it. Hey, listening to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azar. And by the way, a reminder, if you are looking for a church, I know one. It's called River City Community Church. Mm, preach that. Preach that, Barry. <laughs> Every time mm. out here on Lookout Road behind Rotama Park. And uh, again, worship times are at 930 and 1130 uh, on Sundays. And again, you can find it on demand on YouTube if you're listening outside the uh, the city. Uh, mm. And of course, at uh, reachingforreallife.org, you'll find this podcast and a whole lot more. Uh, Sean, as we're talking about the whole corporate worship and in and, and the context of worship in church, why do churches start with worship and then the preaching? Why is that the model? Honestly, I, I think there is a, and you don't have to do that. Yeah. There's, you know, there, again, there's not a order of service somewhere in Thessalonians, in the <laughs> you know, that Paul gave us. No, I, I think ordinarily because people come in from different places. Mm-hmm. We come in, we you know, we've come from a busy week, we've had a weekend, and now we've got the family in the car, and we're coming in, we're talking to our friends, and all this is fine. This is all good stuff. Yeah. The idea, enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. praise. The idea is putting my heart now, oh yeah, I, I, this is about Father. Mm-hmm. I am now in his presence. And obviously he's omnipresent, his spirit resides in us. But there is something of saying, I am going to now prepare my heart and my mind for to worship him, to hear his word, to commune with him, to fellowship with the saints. It's often seen as a preparatory time. Yeah. Preparing your heart. I, I love that. Kind of going back on that that, that criticism thing of, of folks being human and just being selfish and all that. Uh, I'll, I'll say it. Sometimes the worship songs, well, they seem repetitive, predictable, not very dynamic. Why is that, Pastor Sean? Wow. I'm so disappointed in you. <laughs> Thank you're you. so you're so carnal. You know, hey, I get to. Here's what I get to do. This is what I enjoy about this conversation. I know the answer. I'm just playing the dumb guy. <laughs> <laughs> you, I'm not. I was. You know what? I'm not going to do that. You give me such a softball pitch there. Watch this. <laughs> I, I'm not going to do it, Baron. You're not playing the dumb guy. You're awesome. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, no, that as a musician, I'm telling you, I have felt that I have said those words. Ah. You, I know Baron are a very astute listener to music. Always have been. You're a student of music. So you have felt this and experienced this. Most musicians I know have said, and and it's almost like we have no creativity. Why are we like this? And, And I get it. I don't like, I hated the season the church went through where we had to make a Christian copy of everything oh, that was gosh. popular in the world. I hated that. Hate that too. Okay. So that don't is. Don't be imitators of the, the world, right? Exactly. The reason worship music is often predictable and repetitive is because of its purpose. Okay. Don't ever forget the purpose is not to wow me in my musical sensibilities. Okay. The purpose is to draw me in and to allow me to participate. Mm-hmm. And not just me as a musician who studied music and who performs music, but 
me as a just a congregation member. The guy who isn't musical at all, but he, he wants to sing. He wants to sing to the Lord. Mm. And so the point of worship music is not spectating. It's not sitting and critically listening. It is participation. Right. So I, I do. I will say I think it's true. It is repetitive. It is predictable. That That is a mm-hmm. challenging thing for if you're a creative and you want to see the cool creative takes on music. I get it. But understand, there's a reason for that, for that repetitive and that predictable format. It's so everybody can join in mm. and everybody can participate. Worship is for it because, again, we're the offering of praise. We are exalting Father together. That's yes. the point of worship. Awesome. All right, I get that. Uh, but I'll say it again, Pastor Sean, because I still got problems. <laughs> uh, I'm not speaking for myself here. I like the music. I like it. You know, I like to get involved. I like to get my hands dirty and all that stuff when I'm getting my praise on. But this guy next to me, he goes, I can't hear myself. I'm not a, you know, they're, I'm, I'm just watching the show, mm. you know, which is, I, I think, a valid criticism of the church. People leave maybe because of that. I'm not worshiping. Well, and again, back on me, right? Well, I, no, no, I would say, if, you know, if you're listening to this and you're a worship leader, okay, please remember the point is never your performance. And and I'm a worship leader. Mm-hmm. I've been a worship leader for, for many years. I've been up leading worship with a guitar or sitting behind a piano or a keyboard, and I'm leading the worship service, and all of a sudden I'll hear something happen with the guitar part, and I'll go, oh, please, we practiced that. Can you, are you kidding me? Uh-huh. <laughs> or I'll hear something, oh, that's awesome. Oh, this is great. We sound great. And I have to stop. Oh, God, forgive me. I've had to repent many a time. And, and that's what you do. Worship leader, if you're listening to this, you, what you do at that moment is you repent. Mm. Father, forgive me for in any way making it about me or us or what we're doing and, and, and taking my eyes off of you. Because just remember, the point is never your performance. You know, the point isn't you kind of hyping up the crowd. Yeah. The point is we are leading people into the presence of the Lord and then getting out of the way so they can worship. And so Father can minister to them, and so they can exalt him. We are, you know, I've used the phrase before, it's like being a doorman to the throne room of God. That's mm. Our job is to help open the door and, and create an environment where people can enter in. And this is maybe a musician hang-up. I've heard the music be so bad it's a distraction. Mm. That's wrong. You shouldn't do that. And I don't care. Well, we want participation. Yeah, find, out, find another way. Have a talent show. Do something else, okay? Yeah. Do not, worship is not the time to let your amateur musicians have at it so they can have a chance on stage. I'm sorry, Pastor Sean, but the pastor's wife can think. She can sing, right? I, so, someone needs to tell her, sister, <laughs> you have so many talents. And then there's this. <laughs> But no, seriously, the goal is not just, and again, development requires, you know, you got to always, when you bring young players along, but they need to be people who are skilled. And and the the reason being, I don't want to distract. Mm -hmm. And it can be both sides. As a musician, I've been in churches, particularly larger churches, Mm -hmm. where all of a sudden I'm hearing a musician, I'm like, oh, that's good. Oh, that guy. Oh my gosh, that riff on the guitar, that was amazing. Or dude, that guy's piano part. Yeah. And all of a sudden I realized... Oh, I'm focusing on them and not Jesus. Yeah. Now I, it's a problem. I gotcha. I love your perspective on being the musician. And that, let me let me ask you a question about that because, well, at River City, two services, 930, 1130. Some churches, I actually used to do Monday nights too. So now the worship band's leading three services. Mm-hmm. Another church, sometimes five or six. Yep. How do you, as a musician, have the mindset to not phone it in? Or how do you make number six is just as powerful as number one? Or what's the mindset going into that? That's a great question, Baron. And I think the secret to any of that, for any of us, mm-hmm. and no matter what we do, 
you know, Jesus in John chapter four had a conversation with a woman at a well member, and uh, she tried to distract him with a kind of debate on worship. You know, well, you Jews say you should worship at the temple. We say it's here on the mountain. And um, Jesus said, yeah, day's coming. It's not going to be in the, the temple. It's not going to be on the mountain. Um, <clears throat> what God is looking for is true worshipers mm. who will worship him in spirit and in truth. See, that's that's what has to happen. You have to first understand this is a spiritual engagement. So I don't care if I'm a musician. I don't care if I'm a singer. I don't care if I'm a congregation member. I am going to now engage my spirit with the spirit of God. I am communing with Father. So keep that. I'm not just playing music. I'm not just going through a song list. I'm engaging in spirit and in truth. And that's really authenticity. I'm going to authentically praise God for who he is. I'm going to praise God in the way that he desires to be exalted and praised and worship. And it's going to reflect from the honest reflection of my heart so that it's consistent. What I sing on Sunday is consistent with what I live on Monday through Saturday. Right. So when I say it's all about you, Jesus, then it's all about Jesus. Mm. And when I catch myself during the week and it's not about Jesus, I repent. And I go, Father, that's not my heart. So your worship has to be an authentic expression. So what happens is you understand each service is different. The dynamic is different. The crowd can be different. We notice a difference if we have a high population of our leadership, our group leaders, our ministers in one particular service, that the worship level might be more intense, Mm. might be more engaging because there's more people entering in. And then if we have lots of guests and visitors who aren't sure what to do, aren't sure how to interact or enter in, it might be a little cooler. And the worship team will have to work a little harder. You know, I try to tell them, I said, guys, the best leadership in life and in worship is by example. You go first. We're going in the presence of God, we'll go first. Mm. And that that's how, it's not about performing for this congregation. It's not about getting them hyped up. It's about leading all of us and entering together into the presence of the Lord. Mm. Again, keeping that mindset of your faith and, and giving it to, to God, uh, can you objectively evaluate the, the worship service after, after it's over? Does the band talk after and we're going to change this? Or what, what happens when you're looking at it? Can oh, yeah. No, w- without a doubt. Yeah? Um. And again, evaluating worship, even a sermon or whatever, you don't know what's happened. You don't know what the Holy Spirit did with uh-huh. what you said. That's what really matters, right? Right, right? I heard Dallas Willard say that for mm-hmm. preachers. You know, It's not what you say or do that matters. It's what the Spirit does between your lips and their heart, yes. right? And worship's the same thing. But we will go and look and we'll go, oh, wow, this transition in, on this song made it awkward. Mm. It became a distraction, so let's cha- let's remove it. Let's right. remove the distraction. A lot of a lot of what you're doing in worship is trying to create environments where people can truly exalt the Lord, and you're trying to remove distractions mm-hmm. so that they are free. Mm-hmm. You know, you talked about the guy who says, "I can't, I can't hear myself sing." Well, and then the other person is like, "It's too soft. I'm just hearing myself, so I'm becoming self conscious." We try to have music full enough that people can comfortably engage in, and they're they're drawn to engage. Yes, the whole goal is engagement. So if, I, if I'm in a worship service and I see people just kind of standing looking at the band, and, and again, you, you, you never know what's going on in a person's heart. Right. I'm delighted if a person's sitting down, hands in their face, doing business with God. Right. Or if they're standing, arms raised, tears coming down their face, either is awesome. Yeah. What I don't like is a person sitting there looking bored with their hands in their pocket. I want to create an environment where people engage. So Pastor Sean, when it comes to worship, and from your shoes— what would you like to see differently in the church? I guess what I would like to see is us understand that worship is what happens in my heart. Mm. 
I'm presenting myself as a living sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And that's what worship is about. Corporate worship is a beautiful thing, but it's not all. If music is the thing, because music is a way that a lot of people really engage, then, then at home, when you know, during your quiet time, you might play some quiet music, mm. or you might play some worship music and just meditate with the Lord for a few moments or for you know, a half hour and just, just sit in his presence. And if that co- helps you engage, then excellent. Don't make it just a church thing. You don't need the band right. and you know, the lights or the sound system to worship. Worship's what happens between you and the Lord. It is you putting him first. You're the living sacrifice. He's first in your heart. You know, our word worship comes from an old English word, worthship, which means to ascribe worth unto. It's related to the word worth. And so make him of utmost worth. He's the highest. At church, focus more on worshiping than on critiquing. Yes. If you're a musician, be excellent at what you do. Mm -hmm. But practice, 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 work hard, work hard, work hard, so that when you actually get up to lead worship, you can just freely lead worship, and you're not sitting there worrying about what you're doing and the technical aspect of your ministry. All right, final question, Pastor Sean. Greatest worship song of all time that still moves your heart when you go, ah, I feel closer to Jesus when I break into this this song. Okay, the pressure of that that kind. Oh, my gosh. Well, there's so many great ones. There are so many great ones. Um, The song that popped into my head is Keith Green's Oh, Oh, Lord, Lord, You're Beautiful. beautiful. That's what popped into my head. There's so many others. The the hymn, Holy, 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 will drive me to tears mm-hmm. um all right Pastor John, let me ask you that a different way if someone hands you an acoustic guitar okay what, what do you go to okay uh that actually clarifies there's two songs that immediately popped into mind one is goodness of god i uh, love that song come to tears every time and um ten thousand reasons mm-hmm. uh i just love that song i heard a hundred man choir sing that song and that was very powerful that yeah boom yeah boom. So, great question. Uh, Well, Pastor Sean, uh, invite us to church. Hey, would love to have you guys come. We are getting near the the wrap-up and the tail end of our Gospel People series, Mm -hmm. a study on Colossians. It has been fantastic. Uh, Services are 9.30, 11.30. If you haven't been able to be in this, go to reallife.org, which is the church's website, reallife.org, and you can check out these messages. Uh, You can go to our YouTube channel and check that out. Uh, It's just been a great study of Colossians. Anyway, we'd love to have you join us. Hey, thanks for listening to this podcast. It's been great to spend some time with you. Just pray the Lord blesses you. And I pray that your worship is more meaningful just because you've been able to see in your heart, God, it's all about you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.